So words really are powerful, aren't they? I mean, I think we all know that. I don't think that's news to any of us, but sometimes we need to be reminded. Uh, words are powerful. James told us last week, the book of James said last week, that words are like the bridle in a, uh, in a horse's mouth or the rudder on a ship that has the power to direct lives. And, and if you've ever used words or had words spoken to you, you know how powerful words can be. Uh, you know, I just, we decided to just check, fact check something and kind of look up something that might be interesting. Did you know that the average person uses between seven and 15,000 words a day? That's a lot. Seven and 15, between seven and 15,000. Now, there's some in this crowd that I happen to know probably only use about three. You probably really take that average down to, you know, no doubt. Maybe I'll just leave it right there. Um, <laughs> there's probably some in the room that bumped that average up, right? And I'm not going to point out who that might be, but we on average five to 15,000 words a day. That means that within two weeks, you're speaking enough words to write a book. Wow. Every two weeks, you produce enough words to write a book. That's pretty interesting. I brought some books to help me today because I think books prove the fact that words are powerful. Probably most of you in the room have at some time or another read a book that maybe changed your life. Anybody? I mean, now I'm, talking, now I'm not talking about the Bible. Okay, I know the Bible. That's a book. But besides the Bible, anybody, have you read a book that, <clears throat> that just changed your life or at least changed your direction in life? I can think of several books that I've read that just really impacted my life. I remember one in particular that maybe made the biggest difference of anything in my life. There's a little book written by a young man, actually a young CPA, and the name of the book, it's out of print today, and I don't know why, it's a powerful book. It was called Eternity Portfolio. And in that book, Eternity Portfolio, he mapped out a strategic financial plan for getting yourself to the position that you could give more. <laughs> uh, that's interesting to me and really when I saw his plan it changed the way Beth and I live words really are powerful but words can also be weighty right words can weigh us down I brought my backpack along because you know we put books in backpacks and I thought that's a pretty light thing and pretty easy to carry until I start putting words in there. And when I start putting words in here in the form of these books, suddenly my backpack becomes heavy. And suddenly what was easy for me to carry along is now difficult. Maybe even to the point of painful. I really believe words can do the same with us. Words can weigh us down. Words can make life difficult to deal with. Words can make life hard to go through. Just last week, I'm going to take this off if y'all don't mind. Um, just last week, I can't tell you the number of people who responded to me after the opening message to this series, we're calling Breaking the Curse of Words. Can't tell you how many people came to me and said, in one way or another, that's absolutely right, Pastor, I've been dealing with these words for a long time. I've been dealing, some said I've been dealing with these words since I was a child. Dealing with these words since I was a teenager. Honestly, hearing about even teenagers who are already to the point of being weighed down by words and, and directed in bad ways or good ways by words. 
The truth of the matter is words can become weighty and words can become a curse, literally, that we just carry around with us. And sometimes you'd like to think, how can I get rid of these words? Maybe it's some words that you read, or maybe it's some words that were spoken to you. Maybe somebody said something to you at one point in time, and you, you accepted it. And you said, you know what, that might be true. And so I'm just going to think that about myself. And to this day, you still think that about yourself. Or maybe you read it. Unfortunately, today, we have so much availability to write things to people without any consequence that sometimes the words that are written sting maybe harder or at least as hard as the words that are spoken. Maybe somebody wrote something that stung you. It's hard to get over. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never harm me. Baloney. <laughs> That's just a lie. Words do hurt. So today we're going to continue where we started last week. Last week I tried to show you from the book of James that words are weighty and words do weigh us down. The wrong words weigh us down. Today, I want to talk a little bit about the why. Why do words weigh us down? Why are words so heavy? I think before we can deal with it, we need to understand some of the why. Why would somebody say what they said to you that has now become a curse? Have you ever wondered that? Why would my parents say this? Why would my teacher say this? Why would my husband say this? Why would my friend write this? Why? I think we have to understand the why before we can begin to unpack the how to deal with it and how to actually let go or release these words that curse us and that weigh us down. So I'm going back to the book of James. If you have a Bible and would like to follow along, it's in James chapter 3. Uh, you, you can follow it on the, on the screen. It'll be up there. But James chapter 3, I want to pick up where we left off last week in verse number 5 and go through verse 12 and begin to understand why words, wrong words, weigh us down and just why people speak those words. Oh, by the way, maybe I shouldn't leave this out, why we sometimes speak or write those words. I think this, this teaching today is important, first of all, for, for we who have received those hurtful, hurtful words or weighty words, but it's also important for those of us who speak them. I think there's a twofold lesson in everything we're doing through this series, and that is how do we break the curse of words, but secondly, how do I keep from extending to a person a curse of words. Does that make sense? I think it's kind of both ways. We want to stop receiving, but we also want to start stop giving those words. Because probably, whether we meant to or not, now I believe we're in a room full of nice people. Let me just say that. But probably every one of us at some time has inflicted words on someone that were unhealthy. Maybe not even intentionally. It does. And we'll, I'm going to show you why we do that. Because some of you are like, Pastor Eddie, I'm a nice person. I wouldn't say those things. I'm a nice person. I wouldn't blow up at somebody. I'm a nice person. I wouldn't put a curse of words on someone. Uh, hang with me. Let me go walk all the way through this message, and, and I'll 
think we'll understand why these words happen. Okay? Let's start with James. Look what James has to say about words. In verse number 5, he starts off by saying, So too then, or so too, though the tongue is a small part of the body, remember, just a little part, one of our smaller muscles, Though the tongue is a small part of the body, it boasts great things. Consider how small fire sets ablaze a large forest. That's true, isn't it? It doesn't take a big fire. All it takes is a spark. If the, if the ground around is tender enough, dry enough, it doesn't take but a spark. So, so you don't have to do a long essay to hurt someone. It's a spark. And the tongue is a fire. Now, Boy, that just, when, when I read that, it weighs on me. Here's what I wish. I wish I could say, James, why didn't you say the tongue is like a fire? You know, if we're comparing, then I could always say, well, yeah, with, with them, it's a fire. But no, 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 he says the tongue is a fire. And then I think it through, and I'm thinking, wait a minute, I'm glad he said that. Because we know, don't we, that fire can be destructive or helpful. It's all about control. A fire in my fireplace in the winter is a blessing. A fire in my pine trees is not a blessing, right? The fire itself is not the issue. The issue is a matter of control. And so he goes back and he says, the tongue is a fire. The tongue a world of unrighteousness is placed among our members. It stains the whole body, sets the course of life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. What I want you to notice is that word. I put it in yellow so you can see it. A world of unrighteousness. Here's the, here's the, the beginning of the why. First of all, I want you to see that our words are generally unrighteous. Many times our words come out, the words that come out of our mouth are not filled with righteousness. Now there's a reason for that. Stay with me, I'm getting there. But he wants you to know that it's not unusual for words to be a world of unrighteousness and it's placed among our members for us to use freely. And so we have a choice of how we might use them. Words are a world of unrighteousness. And then he says our worlds are unruly. Look at the next verse. The next verses are clear. Every kind of animal, bird, reptile, and fish is tamed and has been tamed by humankind. But no one can tame the tongue. Oh, whoa. So secondly, he says our words are unruly. They, they're not tamed. In other words, we lack control of our tongue. If our, tongue were, if our words were not unruly, we could always use good words. And we could always use our words to encourage and to build up and to, to bless. But the problem is, there's just something in us. Now, now y'all, you got to help me out here. Don't put on your church face. You just got to be honest. Don't you sometimes just say something and you wish you wouldn't have said it? No. <laughs> I know that head shaking this way ought to be going this way. I know. Yeah, of course we do. We all say words that at some point or another we think, ah, wish I wouldn't have said that. Typically followed by, I didn't really mean that. We'll talk about that in a minute. 
truth of the matter is our tongue is hard to control. That's why we say things to our spouse that we wish we wouldn't have said. Wish I could take that back. We say things to our children that we wish we hadn't said. Wish I could take that back. <laughs> we say words to our parents. Oops, shouldn't have said that. The truth is, we say those things because no one can tame the tongue. By the way, no one includes me and you. And, and I have to know that. And I have to admit that. You know, I'm one of those 15,000 word a day guys. Maybe 20. So I have to really work hard to tame the tongue. Because before long, it's going wild before I even realize what's happening. And I'm thinking, oh, I never should have said that. So I put up barriers. I put up parameters. I, I put up boundaries that I try hard not to do. For instance, it's rare if you see me reply to anything on Facebook. If you post something on Facebook, Instagram, social media, Twitter, you post something and I don't reply, don't get mad at me, don't take it personally. That's just one of the boundaries because usually if I post what I think, it's not going to be good. So don't get mad at me if I don't ever reply to your, you know, brother Eddie, don't ever reply to my, eh, it's just a habit. Every now and then I will, but rarely. And when I do, I read it five times before I ever click the button. No one can tame the tongue. There's only one person who's ever been able to tame the tongue, and that's Jesus. <laughs> it's amazing what the Bible says about Jesus and his tongue and the use of his tongue. <clears throat> In fact, it actually tells us, the Bible actually tells us, his eyewitnesses actually tell us that people were astounded with the way he spoke. That he spoke as one with having, who had authority. Now, you know what that means? I don't think that just means he had a big, strong voice that everybody was willing to obey and follow. I think that what that means is he spoke as one who had an authority. In other words, he spoke in a manner to build up and to lead. And when he spoke... People listened. My experience is people with that kind of power in their words are guarded in what they say. We know that Jesus spoke kind words, uplifting words. Now some of his words, even though uplifting, were corrective. Can I say, listen, don't, don't misunderstand me. I'm not arguing that we should never correct or confront Sometimes the best thing we can do out of love is to confront and correct. We need to learn how to control. I, said to, I say to people all the time, just because it's true doesn't mean you have to say it. Can I get an amen? Even a whisper? I'm kind of scared when I said that. It sure got quiet. Because we say things and then we say, oh, but it's true. Just because it's true don't mean you have to say it. I'm not asking you to lie, but sometimes you just need to control the tongue. You say, well, you can't. I know, it's hard because the tongue is hard to tame. And our rules, tend, our words tend to be unruly and unrighteous. And then third, he goes on to say that they're unstable. He says, with the tongue, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in God's likeness. That's how unstable we are with this tongue. The same tongue blesses God and then turns around and curses man made in his image. 
I know that hurts because I ain't nobody in the room hadn't done that. You might have done it, not done it out loud, but you did it in your mind, right? That's why we come in here on Sunday with our church faces. We got there on Monday and nobody recognizes us because we take it off, you know. And we begin. It's so unstable. He says, verse ten: blessing and cursing come out of the same mouth. My brothers and sisters, these should not be this way. To figure this tongue out, it is so unstable. One minute it gives blessing and one minute it gives cursing. Now we're talking about the curse of words, but think about this. The antithesis of that is you can bless with your words. Look at the next verse. I think he really kind of nails it down. Again, he says, does a spring pour out sweet and bitter water from the same opening? Can a fig tree produce olives? My brothers and sisters are a grapevine, produce figs. Neither can a saltwater spring yield fresh water. I think what he's saying there is we shouldn't be surprised with the words that come from our mouth. I mean, everyone would expect that a sweet spring would produce sweet water and a bitter spring would produce bitter water. Everyone would expect a fig tree to produce figs, not olives. And everyone would think that a saltwater spring would not yield anything but salt water. So I, th I think he's saying, at least in part, and maybe, maybe more than what I can unpack today, but at least in part, I think he's saying, your words that come from your mouth really shouldn't surprise you. Why is that? Because really your words are the product of what's in your heart. That's why I say you have to be very, very careful to say to someone, Oh, I didn't mean to say that. Well, you might not have meant to say that, but it is the truth that's springing out of your heart. And some of you are looking at me like, I don't believe that. Well, will you believe Jesus? <laughs> That's my card I always get to play on Sunday morning. Look at Matthew's Gospel. I want to go to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 15. And Jesus is talking to his disciples, his closest followers. And I want you to see what he says, beginning in verse 10. It says, summoning the crowd, he told them. This is Jesus speaking. Listen and understand. It's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person but what comes out of the mouth. Now, the, the, the context of the question is, they're questioning about what you can eat and what you shouldn't eat. What is, what is legal to eat, what is not legal to eat, what is clean, what is unclean, what you should eat, what's good for you. Don't worry, we're not going there this morning, okay? But then he says, it's not what goes in the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth. This defiles a person. So the disciples came up and told him, do you know that the Pharisees took offense when they heard you? <laughs> Did you know that what you said just offended them? He replied, Every plant that my father, my heavenly father uh, didn't plant will be uprooted. Leave them alone. They're blind guides. Talking about the Pharisees. And if the blind guide the blind, both will fall into a pit. Then Peter said, Okay, well explain the parable to us. Help us to understand this. We always thought that what we ate 
made us clean or unclean. And that's part of their Jewish law. And they had laws about what animals and what foods were clean, by their terminology, and unclean. That's why you all know that, 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 that a solid Jew is not going to eat pork, right? Because it's considered unclean. But there were certain foods that were clean. And now, he, now Jesus is really messing them up, saying, it's not what goes in the mouth that defiles you. It's not what you eat. Watch this. It's what comes out. It's what you say. So he says, explain to us, verse 16. He says, do you still lack understanding? Don't you realize that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is eliminated? Don't need to build on that. <laughs> Thank the Lord. But what comes out of the mouth, watch this, comes from the heart. Now, he said it. What comes out of the mouth comes from the heart. And this defiles a person. For from the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adulterers, adultery, sexual immorality, thefts, false testimonies, slander. These are the things that defile a person. So Jesus said, what you need to understand is it's not what you're eating but what comes out because what comes out is coming from your heart. Now that really helps me to understand this whole thing of the curse of words. It helps me to understand. It doesn't help me to like it and not necessarily totally deal with it. We've got to go further than what I'm going to go this morning but for, for starters... Whoever that person was, or those people were, who hit you with that, those words that became a curse to you that you're still carrying around, shouldn't be a surprise. Because those words came from a heart that is, remember what James said, unrighteous, and a tongue that's unruly and unstable. And we know but Jeremiah the prophet said that our heart is desperately wicked. He says, who can even know it? In other words, our heart, by very nature, is wicked. He, he says here, Jesus said, did you notice? He added those words. He said, from the heart are evil thoughts. Those evil thoughts that come, that come out to curse someone. Don't be surprised, it's coming from your heart. Murders, adulteries, sexual immorality. You know where they all start? They all start in the heart. Would that our people could understand that in the world today. That listen, these, these issues, these issues of people hurting people comes, it starts in the heart. That's what he's saying. Thefts, false testimony, slander starts in the heart. I think what he's saying is don't be shocked or don't be surprised because here's the problem. Here's the problem all of us have. We have this heart. And this heart, by nature, is thinking evil thoughts and bad things. And then to go with it, we've got this muscle in our mouth that releases those heart thoughts into communicative words. And it's unruly, and it's unrighteous, and it's unstable. So don't, don't be surprised. 
But now also, it gives us a very important key to how we finally break this curse of words. And it all starts with what? A change of heart. Now, you need discipline. We need discipline. We need exercise. We need practice. We need boundaries. But what we really need is a change of heart. So here's the takeaway I want to give to you. And I want you to see it because I think it's very, very important. And that is that our words, our heart, our thoughts, our words are empowered by the condition of our hearts. Let me say it again. Our words are empowered by the condition of our hearts. What I need, what you need, is a heart change. You see, here's the thing. I do think we need to, to exercise, to, put, to discipline ourselves. I think we need to set up boundaries. Whatever that boundary, for me, boundary, don't reply to Facebook. That's my boundary. I'm not saying you shouldn't. I'm just saying that's my boundary. I need to set up those boundaries, but what I really need is a change of heart. You see, and so often what I'm wanting to do, my goal is when I read that comment on social media that I want to reply to and I, my boundary says don't, what I want to do then is say, God, change my heart to this person. Not necessarily to the value that I'm holding, but to the person, the people, to, the, to be like you. <laughs> Respond as you. Again, I'm not, I'm not saying we should be like a mat to be run over. No, that's not it at all. But I'm talking about this curse of words. We need a change of heart. Now, I want to shift gears a minute if I could in the last couple of minutes that I have. I've got a couple of minutes, so I kind of want to shift gears. I want to talk about this just from a very practical standpoint. I think it's important for us to understand that when we're on the receiving end of words that curse... We need to understand how to handle that and what to do about that. Because can I just say, have you ever thought about this? Not only can your words hurt somebody when you speak to somebody else, your words can impact you, the words that you speak to yourself. Now, I'm not trying to play a head game here. Don't mishear me. I am not a psychologist. I am not a psychiatrist. I'm just a preacher. And not a real good one at that. But I know this. The words you speak to yourself can also become a curse to you. You're telling yourself you're ugly and useless. I say to you the truth is you're a child of God made in the image of Almighty God. You think you're worthless? You tell yourself you're worthless? I beg your pardon. God the Heavenly Father sent His Son to die on a cross for you. To quote some great theologian, God don't make no junk. That's the truth. But you see, if we speak lies to ourselves, some of us here are bearing the burden of a curse of words that nobody's spoken to us. We've spoken to ourselves. 
Now maybe it's the product of something that someone has said at some point in our life, but it's really just repeated in our own mind and to our own selves. And we begin to reveal that. We begin to show that. We begin to understand that what we're saying about ourselves matters. I think we have to be careful. Here's what I know. I've read about this, this family that I had the coolest thing. It was a family with small children, young children. And uh, they decided they, to play a game. And they, they called the game Truth or Trash. And here's how the game went. They would gather the kids around in the circle, in a circle, and they would hand them cards, pre-prepared cards. And those cards would have a statement on them. It would look kind of like this. Throw that up there uh, on, the state, on the screen. Let me show them that first card, um, just as an example. Uh, this was one. You will never make a difference in this world. Truth or trash? And they would say, answer the question. And of course the kids would say, that's trash. It is. <laughs> you make a difference in this world. Our problem is... Sometimes we get our sights so high that we think if we don't invent the next great project, if we don't invent the, invent the next thing that's going to solve every problem of humankind, we're not added to the world. No. God has put you in the place he's put you to operate as he wants you to operate in this place. And as I understand scripture, God says, all he asks of you is to be faithful where he planted you. Not where he put everybody else. You don't have to be president of the United States. Granted, that's an impact, but you don't have to be. If you're an effective president of your home, <laughs> that's a pretty good thing. Truth or trash? Uh, this is another card they would throw up. Uh, God has plans to bless you and prosper you. Truth or trash? True. God wants you to be blessed and prosper in life. Now, hold on. I'm not promising you a new car, a new boat, or a new pool. No, 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 no. I think sometimes our idea of prosperity runs contrary to God's idea of prosperity. But the truth is, God wants to bless you. I think I had one more. Did I have one more up there? You're an ugly person, truth or trash. <laughs> That's trash. I already talked about that. So what's the point of the game? The point of the game is, or was, to teach the children to learn to recognize what is truth and what is trash. Can I say to you, I think some of us need to play a daily game of truth or trash. And when thoughts or words come into your mind and into your ears and into your life, whether it's through social media or whether it's through a spoken word, whether it's through a memory of the past, We ask ourselves, is, is that truth or trash? And if it's trash, get it out. Throw it out. Has no place in your heart. Release it. Let it go. One other thought. Keep in mind that if words are coming from our mouth, that are unkind, evil, slanderous. If those words that curse are coming from my mouth, then I need to look at my heart. Because here's what I know. If you track through the mud 
Walk through that mud long enough. Guess what? When you come out of the mud, everybody's going to know where you've been. Amen? Now, I know that because my wife walks into the kitchen where we have a tile floor. And she says, uh, you've been out in the yard, hadn't you? Well, how did you know that? Because you brought half of it in with you. Yeah, yeah. Come on, guys. Anybody ever heard that? Yeah, where we've been does reveal itself in the presence. So if there's nothing but mud coming out of my mouth, then I need to examine my heart. So I guess I want to close out today by, with this thought. Examine your hearts today. Examine our hearts today. Is our heart... Is our heart renewed by Jesus Christ? And if so, will we allow him to control us day by day? Will we plead like Solomon, Lord, guard my tongue? Was it Solomon or David? I can't recall if that's a proverb or a psalm. Somebody will Google it and let me know. But, 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 but the, 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 the scripture says guard. The prayer was guard my tongue. I, oh, I want to pray that every day. God, guard my tongue. And when I guard, I say guard my tongue, I'm saying also guard my heart. I need a change of heart. Some of you here today, you need a change of heart. Examine your heart. And then secondly, change the way you speak. I wrote this down, and I'm done. Three things. Change what you say about others. Change what you say about others. I'm, this is a challenge for the week now. I'm not just, this isn't just part of the closing down the thing. I, no, no, I'm, I'm closing down, but I, this is something to try this week. First of all, change what you say about others this week. I'm telling you, it'll be a noticeable change. Change what you say about others. Change what you say about your circumstances. If you keep telling yourself long enough that you are in a mess and there's no way you're climbing out of it, that's probably going to happen. I'm not... Listen, change what you say about your circumstances. You say, well, I just, I don't know. This is the worst life I'm in right now. But change your thought about that. Change your words about that. Thank God I'm alive. I told you last week. Let me say one more time. All of my Bahamian friends. Now, I'm sure when I go down there tomorrow, it's going to be all, I'm going to run into all kinds of people. But the ones who've been talking to me have been saying, Pastor Eddie, we lost everything. And then they say, but thank God we're alive. You know what? If you start your day tomorrow instead of saying, oh, God, it's Monday. Maybe you start with, thank God for giving me another Monday. I'm telling you, words are powerful. Change what you say about your circumstances. And change what you say about yourself. Quit accepting lies and speaking it to yourself. Play the truth, and trash, truth or trash game. <laughs> I'm, I'm tempted next week to come in here and ask you, how many, how many had above 10 trash statements this week? But I, I probably won't do that. Words weigh us down. Why? Because they're heartfelt. Because they're heavy. Because they're un filled with unrighteousness, unruliness, and unstableness. We've got to change the way we think about words. They are powerful. Pray with me, would you? Every head bowed, every eye closed.
Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your instruction today. Thank you for what you've taught me and reminded me of this week. And I pray, oh God, for your power and your strength to work in me to guard my mouth, both what I say to others and what I say to myself and what I say about my circumstances. And may I, oh God, by faith, believe your promises is truth and all that go against your promises as trash. Change our hearts, O oh God, through the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, just before we sing, I want to ask you a question. You may be saying, well, Pastor Eddie, I don't know how to change my heart. I've tried. I don't know how to change it. I understand. Frankly, we can't. That's what makes this whole thing so hard. But we have a Savior who can and who does. So today, if you would yield your heart to Jesus Christ, he will give you a new heart. The Apostle Paul said it this way, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old things are passed away, and behold, all things are becoming new. It's your choice today. I'm inviting you to yield your heart to him. We used to sing a simple little chorus that said, Change my heart, O God. That, I think, would be a good prayer today. Change my heart, O God. Lord, we yield to you and to your power at work in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.